Welcome to HR in the Car with Miriam Duchesne and Tom Shin of Alant Workforce Solutions, where exciting HR professionals and business leaders share laughter, insider stories, and maybe even a few tears about HR in today's world. Buckle up for the best half hour of your week. I am so excited we got this next guest onto our queue before the end of the first season. I am too. I just recently did a program with her and um, it was very eye-opening and like lots of aha moments about leadership and tying improv into it. So I'm super excited that we have her joining us. Yeah. And I've always been really curious about how she got her start. So we're going to listen in and have that conversation with Kat Coppett, who owns Coppett Eponymous and Mopco over in Schenectady. So we're so excited to welcome Kat Coppett to the show this week. Thanks for joining us today, Kat. I'm so excited to be here. So Kat, tell us first a little bit about who you are and your organization. So we have two parts of our organization, and I will tell you who I am in relation to those parts of the organization. How about that? So Mopco is first and foremost an improvisational theater company in Schenectady, New York, My partner and partner, Michael Burns, bought an old hundred-year-old firehouse by way of illicit strip club that got... (laughs) (laughs) Yup. I'm jotting down notes. (laughs) That got a lot of press recently because it was featured on the Jerry Springer show and he just recently passed away. The Daily Gazette and all sorts of other papers just had pictures of the old Mopco when it was an illicit strip club. So we, we bought it. We refurbished it, and it is now a full-time working improv theater, doing shows on Friday and Saturday nights and all sorts of classes and other kinds of events. The other part of the business is called Coppet. So I am the eponymous founder of Coppet, which is a word I like to use um, that I thought was just playful, but now I use it because people find it obnoxious because they don't know what it means. It just means it's (laughs) named after me. which is an organizational development consulting and training organization that uses improv and theater and storytelling techniques to help people expand their performance awareness and range in whatever scenes they find themselves in that are sort of non-performatory, formal performatory settings. And the idea there is really just that human beings are improvising all the time. Absolutely. So what's interesting is I had an opportunity to go through a mini session with um, a networking group that I'm part of. And when I came back from that, I implemented yes and. And Tom says to me, were you just at Mopco? Did you do something with Mopco? (laughs) Because he knew what I was doing. And I was like, yes, I did. And some people in my office find it obnoxious. Mm. Um, But I love that even more because... I am a yes and person. I've always been a yes and person. So it was just hilarious that I didn't tell anybody where I got it from. And then he was like, you've been at Mopco. I knew. knew. He knew. Well, if you've ever read Tina Fey's Bossy Pants, she talks about her whole Second City improv in Chicago and the whole yes and kind of discussion where it goes right, where it goes awry. Um, And then I'd become aware of Mopco geez, five, six years before the pandemic, I want to say, because we had, I was on a different board group and they paid for a group 
of performers to come down to West Point mm. to perform as oh, kind of yeah. an opening night thing. I remember that. Yeah, and it was really interesting. I'm like, you guys are from Schenectady? And they're like, yeah. And then you would do performances at Proctor's, I think, at that point. Yeah. Way back, uh, it was the Mop and Bucket Company is how they labeled yes. it then instead yeah. of just mm-hmm. Mopco. So yeah, so fascinating to kind of see here we are, 2023, as yeah. we look at not dating ourselves, right? I know but it. It's, it's fascinating to see how far you've come. So just a couple of things to pull on there. So the Mop and Bucket Company is our flagship troupe of improvisers that headline at the Mopco, and they are the original company that Michael founded. Mm. We missed the 25th anniversary in the middle of of that company, in the middle of COVID. So I, I think we're probably coming up on 30 years ago that he founded the company. They started in... Saratoga. We were in Albany for a while. And then, yes, in residence at Proctor's. So that's the Mop and Bucket Company. And that's where Mopco comes from. The other thread to pull on there is this principle of yes and, which has become sort of probably the most famous principle of improv jargon from improv that gets applied and known out in the world, gets made fun of on shows like The Office Mm -hmm. and other things. It's a very useful concept, both on stage and off, in terms of saying, you know, I can get good at seeing what exists, at recognizing offers, that's improv jargon, and then building with it, with them, right? Because that's all you can do in improv. That's all you have is the offers that your partner makes. It can also be terribly abused yeah. and <laughs> bastardized and misunderstood. Right? Yeah, I might have done that. <laughs> so... Or will yet. Yes. <laughs> oh, true. True. So, Good point. Uh, it, it, it's a, it's a, it's a, a beloved and also um, probably hated. Hated. <laughs> yes. Yes. Problem child mm. of the improv world. So, how did you start? You know, obviously, uh, the OD piece of it, you know, the cop eponymous piece. Where did that start? How did that come to fruition? Yeah, so I was a I was a classically trained actor in New York City and coming out of conservatory I had been told by a lot of my teachers that I should think less. They were saying <laughs> which is not helpful. That's the right response. Right? Terribly unhelpful, but it was a time in the 80s when there was a real sort of deep actor studio method acting oh, yep. sort of mm-hmm strain in the U.S. theater especially. And what I think they were trying to say when they said things like, you're too smart to be an actor, was that I was stuck in my head a lot, that my rational sensor brain Mm. was too strong. But they didn't know how to teach me how to be more spontaneous and how to access and trust my impulses. Mm -hmm. And improv was a very separate world from classically trained theater, but I got lucky and an improviser came to do a masterclass with a repertory theater company that I was part of in New York City called Manhattan Stage Company, whose claim to fame now years later is that Aaron Sorkin was a member of that company. Wow. He was an actor and writer with that company, a writer of West Wing, among other yep. things people may know. Anyway, he hated the improv class because, of course, he was way beyond that. The last thing he wanted to do was co-create with other people. He was... Um, But I loved it. And Terry Summer, that teacher, sort of brought me into improv. And so I started to improvise, not because I liked comedy, not because I thought it was funny, but because it helped me access this 
way of being present with myself and connecting with other people and collaborating and also having a sense of community and connection, which is really what I liked about the theater in the first place. Meanwhile, thought maybe this would be the short version, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, my day job, I was teaching English as a second language to Russian refugees, Soviet refugees. And I became a trainer of trainers in that program and a supervisor. So I had a little bit of training experience. I started getting mentored by someone there in that work, training and supervision. And so I had people in my improv classes as I started to teach for the improv company who started to say, you know, I really wish my boss knew this yes and principle, or I wish my team at work could collaborate and support each other and co-create the way my improv troupe, the way we're doing it here in class. And could you come and teach? Would you guys do some improv work for us in business? Now that's very, you know, everybody's doing it, right? Mm -hmm. West Point's doing it for goodness sake. Yeah. But then it was a very weird, strange Concept. idea. I was tagged to do it because I had this teaching experience over here in terms of teaching ESL. And I was like, okay, I'm a starving actor. Businesses have money. I'll, yeah, right, gotta eat. Um, and I did it for a while, but then very quickly I said, I don't wanna be sailing snake oil. I, you know, I wanna make sure this is legitimate. So I went back and got a master's in organizational psychology at ah, Columbia. Okay. And, um, and when I was doing that, there were there was one module of one course on organizational development that was around creativity, just one. And the moral of that story was in, creativity is an individual sport. There's no such thing as group creativity. It was very backwards. And it became very clear to me very quickly that of course there was value in what we were doing, that people were starving for what people in the theater and improv were taking for granted and that there was really something here that we had to share. So I graduated there. I went back to San Francisco and joined some folks in San Francisco who were starting this burgeoning field that eventually became called Applied Improvisation. Mm -hmm. That wasn't the name at the time. Way earlier than I should have given experience and knowledge. I wrote a book about it that got me some traction and that was it. So how did you end up in Schenectady? I married a guy. Oh, <laughs> it's all his men. fault. Yeah, I married a guy. I say the same thing. <laughs> yeah. How'd you end up in Albany? A well, guy. that's the funny story. Like I, when I graduated from U Albany, I had an offer at Berkeley, but I met a girl. It's all her fault. Yeah. I had kids. Girls yeah. It worked out okay. Yeah. Um, I ditched the guy, and then I married a different guy who was Michael, who, who I had mop and bucket. So <laughs> I came with some ideas and some improv stuff, and then there was this already planted, wonderful mm -hmm. tree. I, I, I jokingly say practice spouse. Yeah, yes. People laugh at me over it, first draft. Well, I right? can say that the, the guy that made me do a lot of changing life decisions is still the guy today. Oh, so see, very lucky thing? about that. I, I will say that the first husband who brought me here, his name's Matt, you can actually give him a name. We co-created a daughter, oh. and, <laughs> which is probably why I stayed here. And we have pretty successfully co-parented her. She's amazing. She's just finished her sophomore year in college. And uh, he's also been a great influence in terms of the organizational development side of the business. He has a 
he's a expert in leadership and motivational theory and works with a wonderful guy that you both may know named Tiagi. Is that a name that means no. anything to you? No. Civ Asylum Tiagarajan is a great guru. I would definitely remember if I knew that name. I will say it again. Civ Asylum Tiagarajan, or Tiagi for short, is a great guru in the area of interactive strategies for learning and games for learning. And even if you don't know his name, I'm sure you've played some of his games in training sessions you've been in. Interesting. That's one we'll definitely have in the show notes. Yes, Just absolutely. in terms of spelling at, at the very least. At yes. a minimum, yeah. <laughs> We're going to need, um, need you to like, yes, write yes. that down for yes. us. <laughs> so at what point did you transition? Did you and Michael or you decide to take the resident theater program over mm. at Proctor's and bring it into your own space? We realized that to really grow the company and be able to do what we needed to do, we needed to have control over our own space Proctor's was incredibly supportive of us when we were young and looking for a place to be. They gave us free rehearsal space. We were in various performance spaces there and they didn't charge us for that. I think they took a cut of tickets, right? Yeah. So they're incredibly supportive as we were growing as a company. But at some point, if we wanted to be teaching classes and develop secondary companies as our students developed, and do more than one show a week. We needed to have a space of our own. Uh, so you went out and found a strip club. Yeah, so we found yeah, a strip natural club. natural progression. Well, you know, our financial advisor said, well, you can have a retirement or you can buy a theater. <laughs> you can buy and a so strip club. We buy- Sorry, She's going to stay in the, the strip, strip club, club. <laughs> not the firehouse, the strip club. I have learned, my, you know, I've learned a lot about firehouses and strip clubs. And the most important thing is that a stripper pole and a fire pole are two very different things. Yes, they are. <laughs> I, you know, I, 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 I am not aware of this, so well, I'm a little shocked for both of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm high fiving her right now right. in the air. <laughs> yeah, that's too funny. Yeah, so we bought our own space so that we could, because the goal really was not just to perform shows, but to create community. Mm-hmm. You know, the the core principles of improv around making your partner look good around taking risks and celebrating failure so that you can grow and learn and create. Those are all things that are important and, you know, they become values and they're not just about putting on a show on stage, which is why we can apply them in business, but also why we have self-advocacy classes for developmentally disabled communities, why we have, you know, why people come to us who never ever want to get on a stage, but say, I might have social anxiety or I just want to meet people or uh, there's a third space where I can find community to hang out I'm with. having these thought bubbles go off in my head, what it must be like at home for you. Would you take out the garbage, Michael? Yes. And would you go clean the toilet? Yes. And yeah, it's exactly on and on and like on. that. Oh, it's exactly like that. We yeah, never I wish have I would any work conflict. In my house. Yeah, no. It's amazing how much you cannot practice what you preach. Well, That's you know funny. what's what's so apparent and completely obvious here, like Captain Obvious, like duh, is these, these principles are the same principles that are just used over and over again, mm. like you said, in business, in theater, mm-hmm. in our lives, in interpersonal communication, it's school, yes. whatever it Volunteerism is. Volunteerism yeah. even. But people don't think of it that way. Right. And it's like, you know, keep it simple, stupid. That's really what's going on here. It's, it's, it's a little, it's not any different than, because even when I went through the mini session with you, I was fascinated 
by the aha moments I had as I, because I went with an open mind. I didn't know what to expect. I wanted to check it out. It was, you know, we schedule these great outings and they always are great, but I didn't know what to expect. And then I walked away going, huh, wow. Mm. Really I'm going to try this at work and pull a fast one on really people. <laughs> yeah. So it really is. And again, that's a whole purpose of this podcast is to show not just HR professionals, but business professionals and other people in the community, how we're all intertwined and how we all can help each other and what you are doing can help this business and what this business is doing can help that community organization and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah and, and just in this conversation, I'm jotting notes because I had two people reach out to me this week about finding somebody to help them with difficult conversation kind of topics. I'm like, yep. oh, duh, this is perfect. Exactly. So yeah, we'll talk absolutely. about that offline. Perfect. So, well, I love what you just said about it being obvious. And I think what's great about improv, and my clients have really brought me into believing in what we do. As I say, I was sort of pulled into it and I was like, is this real? What's especially useful about it is that it's uh, exercising the muscles. So we talk mm. about these things all the time. But one of the ways we say it sometimes is improv is the gym for the muscles of skills that we know are important, but how do we build them, right? So everyone says listening is so important or executive presence or collaboration or brains, you know, creative thinking, creative problem solving. That's great. Okay, we want those things. We can talk about those things or give presentations about them, read books on them. But how do you actually exercise those muscles? And what improvisers have figured out how to do is that. How do I do reps? How do I get better at practicing that? And so I think you had some of those ahas probably that you had, not because you hadn't heard anything that I'd said before, but because you were doing, it was an active way of engaging and feeling a difference, right? Like lifting a weight as opposed to just like getting a tour of the gym. It's so true. (laughs) You go to a workshop, you're drawn away from all the emails and the phone calls and the texts and everything else because you've put all those things away and your brain has time to process all that. Like, oh, I could do this. Oh, I can apply that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Kat, thank you so much for coming today because I want the world to know more about this organization and check it out because I think there's so many different ways that businesses could take advantage of your wisdom and expertise and the things that you've that you do. So thank you so much for joining us. But in wrapping up today, mm. we love to ask our guests what is in their roadside assistance kit, you know, in keeping with the HR and the car theme. Mm. So when I ask you that, what immediately comes to mind as your go-to roadside assistance kit tool that you must have? Uh, Well, there's always, you know, the literal cell phone answer, right? But I think that since we're talking about improv, I want to give you a metaphoric answer, which is something that you experienced with us, I think, which is called the circus bow. The circus bow is the fundamental improv activity that we do to celebrate failure, which is something that I mentioned before, which is not that like, yay, in real life, we want to fail. Everybody wants to succeed. But when something goes wrong, like you have a fender bender, (laughs) for example, you haven't gotten to your destination. Rather than getting freaked out or making it worse because you're going to panic, right? And then run out into the road and get hit by the next car or... (laughs) very drastic. Cause another accident. Right, right. cause another accident because now you're driving panicked. You have to be able to sort of let that go 
And so we do what a circus performer would do if they slip off the trapeze and fall into the net, which is just put our hands over our head and we say, woohoo, and we let it go. We know that the audience will applaud for us. Like, look at that, I made it through the accident and I didn't die. Yay. And we give ourselves a little internal cheer. In our office, we do it actually literally. We'll go, woohoo, everybody will cheer and applaud for us. And it allows us to move forward. Maybe we learn from the mistake, maybe we don't, but we're able to know that the next time we can get into the car, recognizing that we can take the risk to drive down the road. And if something goes wrong, we'll be okay. The circus bell. I love that. I have to tell you a very quick story about that. I do that all the time when I trip. Yes. So I am, I I wear heels. Everyone knows I wear heels. I'm a little bit of a klutz. I actually am afraid to go downstairs in heels because I'm like terrified I'm going to fall because it's very possible. And one of these days I'm getting on an age, I'm going to break a hip or something. But what I do when I trip or I stumble or do whatever, I always do that like, ta-da. Yes. Like I'm like meant to do it. And then I keep going on with my day. Even if no one's looking, I do that. So I'm, I was already doing the woo-woo circus yep. bow. She did that. It, we so. went to an event down at the Altamont Fairgrounds <laughs> in the fall over totally Halloween. She hits a pothole. It's basically all these pumpkin setups, right? And they're all just- Oh my God, right? I took and a digger dark. on that one. She hit a pothole and she just tumbled through and she was <laughs> laughing hysterical. Her sister's with us and she's like, oh my God, Freaking are you okay? And out. she's just in tears laughing. I'm talking, it was a tumbler. It wasn't just a fall. It was a tumble. A roll. roll. Oh no. It was like stop, drop and roll. And I stopped, dropped and rolled and then just laid there laughing. And my sister was panicked because she thought I broke something. I'm like, I'm fine. I just need a minute. (laughs) And then these other ladies, and this is in the dark. Oh no. Okay. That's part of the reason why I didn't see where I was, what was happening. Mm. But these other ladies go, well, that just made my night. (laughs) Right? (laughs) It did. It really did. So, so so much better than if you'd been like, oh no, now I have to be humiliated and embarrassed and spend the whole night apologized and ruined. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure. And I can't wait to do a class with you. We are definitely going to do something in the near future. Anytime. Dropping classes every Monday night. Just come on by. No commitment necessary. Or your wife can buy you tickets to go to this for your birthday. And you found out about it beforehand. <laughs> hint, Thank hint. you so much for having me. It was a, such a pleasure. Thanks, Thanks, Kat. My favorite line out of that whole conversation was that improv is the gym. Yes. The, the way to exercise the muscle of all of the, essentially those soft skills. Right. We never give ourselves, much less employees, for you employers out there, that chance to practice the things. We always say, go do this. If you, you know, you make a mistake, that's okay, da, 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 da. But we don't really give them chances to practice that old role play methodology. Yeah, which actually a lot of people are afraid of doing because it puts them out of their comfort zone and they just have to take a different mindset about it, yeah. I think. Yeah. I think, I think she brought some great insights. I love the circus bow. I was just about to say, I mean, I'm already an eternal circus bower, so I was super happy about that. And I think more people should embrace the circus bow. You should do that for your license plate. Circus bow? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to copy anybody. Right, especially if you had a banged up beater. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, then that definitely would be a circus bow. Well, for more information about our conversation with Cat Coppet, come to alant.com. Look at the show notes because there's a lot of information she shared, but we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Thanks for joining.